Calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. Generally, that is the definition of a toxic relationship is a relationship where love is present, but respect and or trust is not. But the love kind of, it's almost like a drug. It like it, it's in a lot of ways, we psychologically behave with love the way addicts behave with their substance, right? which is we justify it. We delude ourselves. We lie to ourselves. And so we have to be very careful. Love can be an absolutely incredible thing. It's one of life's greatest experiences, but proceed with caution. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Whether you're searching for a home to buy or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. You can favorite homes, share listings with others, and even schedule tours with a local Redfin agent, all in the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. They know how to help you win the right home at the right price. So download the Redfin app to get started today. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's brand new day toilet bowl cleaner disinfects both the toilet brush and bowl, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria with a fragrance that feels like a tropical getaway for your senses. <sighs> Don't just clean, Lysol clean. Mark, you are a three-time, number one New York Times bestselling author uh, of one of the hit books, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up, as well as many other titles. You've sold over 20 million copies, been translated into more than, I think, 65 or 75 languages now. And uh, you've reached number one in more than a dozen countries. You've got a, a film that you've put out that was worldwide released by Universal Pictures, and you've got so much more great content. Thank you, my man, for being here. Good to be back, sir. Very excited. I was just telling you earlier that you are looking healthier than ever before, yeah. 
happier and healed and whole than ever before. And as the guy who taught us how to not care about certain things, but really care, (laughs) well, really care about the most important things. Sure. Uh, I'm so grateful that you are in a healthy whole place for your life. Because I remember saying to you, it's like a few years ago at kind of the, not the pink, but at the height of this book's popularity, probably and a lot going on all at once. You didn't look energetically as healthy as you are now. No. And, um, I want to talk about that at some point in this conversation about how success is not always tied to happiness, health, peace love and fulfillment of course but what i would love to talk about first is about love and relationships because you've been in a a healthy happy relationship at least based on the video i watched of yours with your wife for seven plus years you've written a book about love and relationships you've written tons of articles about it um you've been single you've been in relationships in the past and now you're in a happy relationship and I wanted to ask you, what is the thing that you believe most people get wrong about love and about happy, conscious love? I think the biggest mistake people make is they assume that love is always a good thing. Like love doesn't necessarily make your relationship happy. It amplifies whatever emotion is already there. So if it's an unhealthy relationship that's full of jealousy, envy, disrespect, the love will actually amplify that. It'll make the jealousy even worse. It'll make the disrespect more painful. If there's happiness, respect, trust, joy, the love will amplify that. So it's love by itself doesn't fix a relationship. It doesn't necessarily make the relationship good. It takes what's already there and multiplies it by 10. Wow. I've actually heard that about money, but I haven't heard that with love where you hear if someone gets more money, it amplifies who they are. Yeah. But I've never heard that about love. Yeah. I mean, people, I think a lot of it is just the romantic movies and stories. And, you know, we tend to glorify romance, uh-huh. love, right? We, we tend to glorify love, but think about it. Like what are the most, who are the people who hurt you the most in your life? people you love it's the people you love the most right like it's and it's not just romantic partners it's parents siblings kids like it's friends yeah yeah the more you love somebody the more vulnerable you are uh because the more any sort of pain or disrespect or um antagonism it, it just gets amplified interesting have you ever felt in a lot of pain in in your current relationship with your wife have you felt like of course really yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, here's the thing, like. But you guys are happy. Yes. It's healthy, right? Yeah. So it's pain and conflict is normal across all relationships. I mean, humans are just, we're human, right? So we're going to, we're going to pick fights and one day she's going to be cranky or one day I'm going to be stressed out and <laughs> turn around and take it out on her. Like it's, it's, there's no such thing as a relationship that, that you don't have bumps in the road or some sort of conflict what determines whether a relationship is healthy or not is how quickly you recover from those bumps uh-huh. or those conflicts and move on from it you repair how quickly you repair the exactly the, the pain now this is something i think is fascinating because i don't think there's a lot of relationships where 
someone in the relationship, you're kind of at equal levels financially, maybe notoriety or success, but then all of a sudden one person in a relationship gets this overwhelmingly amount of success and awareness the way you did. You know, not many people in the world experience that. Sure. How did you navigate staying in a healthy, happy relationship, um, or maybe you weren't able to for a period of time, as you started to sell millions of copies of your book, you're on all the press and everyone wants to talk about you and you're making more money than you ever had before. Yeah. Where it wasn't as equal financially or success-wise, how did you guys navigate love with you accelerating that? It's funny, that really didn't put a whole lot of stress on the relationship. Really? And I think, I think a lot of it, so what I've noticed, and this isn't limited to romantic partnerships. This is every relationship yeah. in life. And I don't know, maybe you've experienced some of this, but like when you experience a lot of success professionally, reputation, financially, whatever, um, the way the people around you react is very reflective of their relationship to their own wealth, financial success, fame, whatever. Right. So what I noticed is that people in my life who judged themselves by how much money they made suddenly got weird around me. Really? Whereas people who didn't judge themselves by how much money they made were totally, they were happy for me. They were totally cool with it, not a big deal. Uh, people who very much judged themselves by how famous they were, how much attention they got, got weird, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of envy. Uh, people who didn't give a shit about that, you know, they're like, cool. Happy for you, man. Yeah. Uh, so with my wife, we're very fortunate in that that was never, honestly, like it, she's an immigrant. I think moving to the United States and, and dealing with the culture shock and the, the cultural differences and language barriers, I think that's been a bigger challenge than simply you really? know, my success. She's just been incredibly supportive, very happy for me. Um, you know, no, no sort of like, now I, I think give myself a little bit of credit here because it's, it's not just, she hasn't just been amazing about it, but also I didn't let it go to my head. Right. Like it's, I think the other side of it is if I came home from a book tour or something and she's like, Hey, can you take out the trash? And I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> right. This is beneath me. Nice. Like, how dare you ask me to take out the garbage? Um, you know, I hurt the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that also causes problems. So. I think it it requires both people to uh, keep perspective about what it actually means. Knowing, I mean, experiencing what you've experienced now with the success and the money that it's called. You didn't have that before you got married, right? No. Would you have any different conversations or would you have, I don't know, set more ground rules or anything like that knowing what you know now, or would you give anyone else advice or an opinion about, Hey, if one of you is really driven mm. in a relationship to go earn or create or be a famous artist or whatever, and that might happen in the future, here are some things you should talk about to be aware of those changes. What would you share? I think it, it would just, I think it's very important to have deep discussions about 
and this is probably good for any marriage, like whether somebody's driven or not, this is probably healthy for every marriage is like, have some very deep and serious discussions of what money means to each person. Some people put a lot of their self-esteem into money. Some people don't. Some people are very conservative with money. Some people are not. Uh, some people have a lot of moral beliefs around money, right? Like if you make too much money, you should give it all away or you're, that means you're selfish or, you know, whatever. Uh, some people don't have those sorts of moral beliefs tied with money. So I think it's, it's probably the most important thing is just get very, very clear with your partner. Uh, what are each other's beliefs around finances and wealth? Uh, especially because, you know, the number one cause of divorce is financial differences. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much you love someone, but people will get hurt or break up because of money. Yeah, I guess. So love, <laughs> love isn't enough. It's not enough. I mean, I think in your video, which I want to link up where you talk about love and relationships with your wife, which I think is powerful. You mentioned how love is, I think, I think your wife said love is 50% of the equation mm. to making it uh a happy relationship, a healthy relationship. And I think for you it was like 35 or 40% or something. And then I think you mentioned values as being a big part and a few other things. Um, do you remember what those were for you besides values and other things that make a healthy relationship? My hierarchy for relationships, and this is, I mean, people can find this in my books, my courses, like it's trust and respect are tied for number one. Yeah. You can love somebody that I think, and I think most people have had an experience in their life where they've loved somebody very deeply, but they didn't trust them. And it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much you try, how much effort you put in, how much you cry and argue and fight. It's like, if the trust isn't there, it doesn't work. Yes. And if the respect isn't there, it's not healthy. Two people can love each other, but if they don't respect each other, they're going to treat each other like, yeah. And they're going to justify treating each other like, or they're going to justify tolerating being treated like by saying, well, I love them so much. Oh man. And maybe it's my fault. Maybe I deserve this. Right. And so, and all, I think most of us have been in that relationship before too. And it doesn't have a few times. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't end well. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's rough. And it's, you know, to me, that's generally that is the definition of a toxic relationship right is where a relationship where love is present but respect and or trust is not and but the love kind of it's almost like a drug it like it, it's in a lot of ways we psychologically behave with love the way addicts behave with their substance right which is we justify it we delude ourselves we lie to ourselves we rationalize decisions that we make that are completely irrational um and so we have to be very careful like it's it's love can be an absolutely incredible thing it's one of life's greatest experiences i think everybody should absolutely experience it but proceed with caution right 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 <laughs> now you're i mean i'm having you share from personal experience obviously you're not like a love coach and this is not what you study full-time although yeah. you've done a lot of research around this and you've done a lot of studies and, and written about this a lot but how much does your environment affect love yeah and how you feel and connect with your partner i'm thinking about personally with you and maybe the research you've done you were sure. you were in a busy 
chaotic environment in New York City, and now you're in a different environment, you know, uh, in California. Yeah. How does that change, or does it change the connection you have with your partner? I think it can. Love isn't something you simply sit and feel. It's something you put into action, right? Like you go on date nights together, you um, go out with friends together, you visit each other's families, you um, go on a vacation together, right? Like it's, it's something you do sit and feel it, but you also have to go live it. You have to like kind of keep, it's something you have to keep in motion by doing things together. And so I think when the environment changes, the nature of those activities you do together can also change. And it's been interesting actually moving to LA from New York. New York, there, there's so much to do all the time. So there's always, in a lot of ways, it, it, it it's conducive to generating romance because there's always an adventure to go. Yeah, stimulus you know? when you walk out the door. There's always a concert or a show or some great restaurant that's just opening. And, and so it's, there's always this feeling of novelty and excitement, but there's also a lot of distraction, right? So if, if, <laughs> if something, if something's like yeah. brewing under the surface and people, you know, people don't want to address it, you can find a lot of ways to keep, keep your hands <laughs> looking the other way. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been interesting coming here to, to California and having a way more sedentary well i shouldn't say sedentary but like calm, routine and calm yeah. lifestyle domestic i yeah, think is yeah, the right yeah, word yeah. uh there's so there's less novelty and stimulation and there's also less distraction like there's there's thing i've noticed that since we've been here things that come up we tend to talk about it pretty much immediately just because we're like sitting in our backyard and have nothing else to talk about <laughs> so, right so it's, and in some ways that's fantastic because we're very aligned and on the same page, but, uh, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of giving, a, you're giving up some of that excitement and novelty and stimulation Yeah, yeah the, as well. the serendipity of the adventure that's happening right now. Yeah. You're planning and you have to drive somewhere as opposed to walk outside yeah, exactly. or take the subway or whatever. Yeah. Trust and respect, it sounds like are big for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you talk about values also. Sure. If you have... I mean, we're just speaking hypothetically here, but if you have trust and respect that is there, mm -hmm. you got a lot of love. Yeah. Values aren't really aligned. Maybe, yeah. maybe 30 to 50%, but you're not over 50% yeah. on values. Is love, trust, and respect enough to sustain a long-term healthy relationship in your mind? I think it's a really good question and I think it depends. So- I don't think you'll ever find two people that are 100% aligned on values. Everybody is a little bit different, right? So, and you, I think you also want a little bit of diversity of values within the relationship. You want to have different standards for, for different things and different opinions about different issues. Uh, it just makes life way more interesting. There's probably a threshold or a breaking point somewhere, right? And it's, you know, one of the examples I've used in a book before is like, if if somebody is a, a a a priest and the other person's a stripper, like it doesn't matter how in love like they are with each other, it's never going to work, right? Uh, if if 
people have very, very fundamental belief differences. And this kind of comes back to the money thing. I think that the, the handful of things that seem to come up all the time are differences of beliefs around money, differences of beliefs around uh, religion, and differences of beliefs um, kids or... around kids and family. Yeah. And I think if you can probably survive not being aligned on one of those, but if you're not aligned on two or all of them, you're probably in trouble. Like right. you're probably just going to butt heads over and over again. Now, what if someone evolves their values over time, mm -hmm. you know, and five, 10, 15 years into the relationship, you know what? I actually don't have those beliefs and that lifestyle choice anymore. I'm going to try something different. Yeah. Do you think the love of the past, the history of the relationship can sustain if it's too much of a conflict around those lifestyle choices or beliefs? I think uh, to a certain extent, first of all, everybody does evolve. Their values do evolve and change. Like, I think that's just natural to, to, to people. I think the challenge within relationships is, you know, generally when relationships start, when you commit to somebody, it's because there is some amount of alignment and it's working. But as the years go on, if you start to evolve in two different directions, that can cause a lot of strain. You know, it, you often hear married couples that are getting divorced or people who have been together for a long time and, and are deciding to get divorced. They say like, you know, we've become two different people or, or we don't, I don't recognize him or her anymore. Right. Um, and I think that that's a case of like, we were 10 years ago, we were completely aligned and we've both changed and evolved over the years. And my partner's gone this way and I've gone this way. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so now there's just this massive gap and we don't feel like we can bridge it anymore. We don't relate to each other. We don't understand each other. We don't agree on anything anymore. We don't do the same things for fun anymore. Uh, and that's that's tough. And so I think part of the trick is to kind of intentionally evolve together is to be very conscious. And this is something that my wife and I try to pay attention to is that if I feel myself changing my mind about something very significant in my life, about my career, my beliefs around family, relationships with friends, it, I communicate that with her. I'm like, hey, I'm starting to move in this direction. Really? Right? So that just as she, so she can be aware and, and adapt, you know, and just understand like, okay, that's kind of where he's at. Huh. Is and, there an example you can share around this in the last few years, maybe? So the two most significant ones that have happened uh, have been around, first one was my career. Uh, when we moved to, to LA, I took six months off. I was completely burnt out. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I really had this period of just, I'm not having fun anymore. I need to take some time off, figure myself out and really decide like, okay, what's this next phase of my career going to look like? What's the next decade of Mark Manson's career look like? And so I communicated that to her. I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to be speaking, not going to be traveling. I'm going to be at home a lot. Uh, you're probably going to see me on the couch playing video games you know, this is kind of what I'm going through right now. Right. And, and I'm probably going to come out of that different with different priorities, different metrics of how I'm going to make decisions. Um, money might be different, right? Like suddenly that huge speaking gig in Dubai that I would have taken a year ago to cash that fat check. Now I'm not going to take it and we're not going to get that fat check. Right. So it's, it's, you, it's important to communicate those things that she understands like, Hey, I'm at this pivot point in my career and I'm probably going to start going a different direction. So just so that she knows and like, isn't shocked. Right. When I don't take the speaking gig and do wow. that. Um, on the other front, this ties in the health thing. She was actually really good. She was a good influence on me. She, so my wife has uh, a couple autoimmune conditions and they really started, she's been aware of them for a long time. But, you know, as things happen, as you get older, uh, things you could get away with. You can't anymore. Yeah. yeah in your twenties, <laughs> it's like, you know, and you, you, you got to pay attention and focus on them. Yeah. You start coming up on 40 and it's just like, they level you. And she was starting to get leveled by them. And so starting right around the, the time of the pandemic, she, she got very, very serious about health. And I, at that time. I had been overweight for a while. My lifestyle was very unhealthy. I was traveling five, six months a year. I was drinking three, four nights a week. Um, 
eating like crap, eating junk food, their desserts all the time. And, and I was aware of that, but it just, you know, on that totem pole of priorities, it was pretty low on the priority list. Uh, but she got super serious about it and, and she really did cause she, she didn't have a choice. Like it was, it was affecting her health. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, it was to the point where she could barely function throughout the day wow. if she wasn't being very, very intentional about what she was right. eating. She was right? feeling sick. Yeah. Yeah. And so she started kind of going on this journey and really cleaning up her diet and getting her health in order. And I started kind of becoming the beneficiary of that because she does most of the cooking. So I'm starting to eat healthy a lot more often. We're not going out as much, not drinking as much. And I'm starting to feel better. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm waking up bright eyed, bushy tailed, sure. like feeling pretty good. Right. Uh, and it, it's, you know, and she and I were in communication about that. And she was very clear, like, this is, I need to make this a top priority in my life. And I'm going to become that person who like doesn't eat dairy, doesn't eat gluten, like doesn't eat sugar. And I was like, oh, this is, oh God, this is going to suck. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is, my life's going to get so boring. Uh-huh. And actually the opposite happened is that it's, I've kind of followed her on that. Um, she's been a very positive influence in that way in that I started to notice benefits and I said, you know, my health has been pretty terrible the last five years. I'm getting up in my thirties. Like I'm not bouncing back the way I used to 10 years ago. Maybe I just hop on, on this train with her. Right. And see where it goes. Right. And, and that's, that's a big part of what happened. And, um, and so now health has kind of become a big priority in my life. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's interesting because when I, when I saw you, like it was a month ago or something or at VidCon, I recognized you, but I didn't recognize you. Yeah. It was like, oh, there's Mark, but man, I, you don't look like Mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, I, I was like, what? who are you? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, maybe I haven't seen you in years, but, but I'd seen your content online. You know, I'd seen your YouTube videos, but man, you just look like a new human being. Yeah. And your aura, your energy is vibrant and healthy. Yeah. And, um, and even just looking back at some of your old videos before getting on this interview, I was like, man, you, you look a little rough around the edges. I'm not, I mean, I've been there too at different times in my life. You know what I mean? I've been there as well. It's not like I've always the, you know, perfect (laughs) health, but it's amazing when we make health a value and you have a partner who's all on board with you. My girlfriend is the same way. We're like all on board on it. And it's, amazing how the relationship I feel like is also healthier doesn't mean it's perfect and there's not disagreements or challenges but when you both have health as a priority it's an incredible feeling yeah what have been the benefits you've seen of her starting this health journey and you aligning to it yeah like I mean, with it, the relationship not just your body and your health and it's I mean it's been so important First of all, it just makes it so much easier for both of us. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, if she's not ordering desserts, then that's one, that's one more temptation. I don't have to fight <laughs> yeah. off. Right. You know? And, and it's the same for her as well. It's like, if I'm not like buying, bo- ordering bottles of wine, you know, every weekend, like she doesn't have to sit there and ask herself, Oh, do I want one too? Right. So it, it, you really do kind of compound each other's success in that regard. Uh, and I think that's probably true with a lot of lifestyle habits, but it's, it's also just, I don't know. We just, 
so much more energy. Yes. Like just more vitality. Uh, it's funny because our idea in, you know, when we lived in New York, our idea of quality time together was going to a happy hour, having a bunch of drinks, maybe going to a show or something, staying out to like 12 or one. Now our idea of quality time is like going on a hike at like eight in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. It's a great, great yeah. feeling. Yeah. And it's, um, it's different, but it's like, it's not, it's not as any less significant. It's, it's less exciting, but it's, it's long-term. It's more meaningful. Yeah. More right? fulfilling. Yeah. And, yeah. More sustainable. Absolutely more sustainable. Way more sustainable. Yeah. Um, I guess it would be challenging if someone was like, you know, I'm going to start being vegan and another person's me. And then it's like, okay, yeah. that's a different type of lifestyle, but it's just hard. You got to learn how to evolve with the person. It sounds like. Yeah. Or at least accommodate each other. Accommodate, yeah. Except, yeah. Not make wrong, not judge. It's like, all right, accept. you're vegan now. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? The next year, she may become vegan. Yeah, we're now being out in LA. <laughs> what is the thing that you've learned the most since the rise of your success through books and everything you've done? What is the the thing you used to believe was true before or at the height? of those things rising that you don't necessarily agree with now? Was there a value or belief or a thought that maybe you even taught in yeah. a book or in a blog or something where you're like, this is the way where you're like, you know what? Maybe it's not the way. Yeah. You know, what's funny. It's, it's actually kind of the reverse of that, which is, so first of all, the answer to your question is, I think early in my career, I was so driven and just set on, like I had some really moonshot goals in my head and I was just so set on them and so driven to achieve them that I never really stopped and asked myself like, what, what after that? Like, you know, let's say you get there. Now what? Then what? Did, thought never even crossed my mind. I think there was just kind of this implicit assumption that like, once I get there, everything's going to be gravy. So why worry about it? And the irony is that a huge part of that book is saying exactly the opposite of that, which is you never get away from problems in life. You just upgrade your problems, right? right? It's like success isn't the elimination of problems. Success is just getting better problems. And so one, once my career really took off and I hit a bunch, bun, bunch of those moonshot goals that I had dreamed about, I looked around and I still had problems. In fact, I had like <laughs> bigger problems in a lot of ways, bigger problems. And, and that just messed with me. Really? I was like, yeah. It just, it really, it really messed with me. Um, how did they make you feel or what did it tell you about life? What did it teach you? I think again, it's, it's, it's not so, it's not so much that I like believe things beforehand that weren't true. It's just, there were, there were things that I didn't account for or think about. And one of those two was, that the the higher on the mountain you get, the the larger the stakes are, right? So it's like if nobody knows who your name is, and you post an article online and people hate it, nobody cares. Yeah, three people. So yeah. yeah, you just delete the account, open a new one, start over. <laughs> right, like and nobody will ever know. You know, it's it, if you you sold ten million books and you post an article online and people don't like it, like suddenly there's repercussions to that. Did you ever experience that? 
Uh, I definitely had like some controversy. I've never been like canceled, right? Uh, but you had some criticism or negative yeah, feedback. I yeah, I definitely had some pieces. That, really? Oh yeah, that got a lot of blowback, especially back in 2020. Really? Yeah. Like, what was the topic or to people? It's funny because now in hindsight, I can recognize it. Like everybody was just so hypersensitive. Oh or... my god, everything people off. Like right. you could say anything, and it would it wouldn't wrong. have anything to yeah, it wouldn't, have wrong. Any, wouldn't have anything to do with politics or vaccines or COVID. And nothing like it nothing to do with it. And people find a way to construe it and be like, "Oh, you're one of those," and like blah blah blah. Um, yeah. So there were there were a few moments like in that period that I just got ravaged by a percentage of my audience. Right. Mainly just because I got lumped in with some sort of cause or political group sure. or ideology or whatever, and they assumed that I was part of that, and they just went right. to town on me. How does that make you feel, though, once you're at that level of success? Oh, it sucks. It sucks, man. I mean, it just... It, it is, I can honestly say writing newsletters in 2020 is the least fun my job has ever been. Wow. Because like, it was, and it, I remember talking to my team and it was like, man, I, writing, writing a newsletter every week in 2020, it was like, it's like being in a boxing ring and getting knocked down and like getting up and knowing you're about to get knocked out again. Wow. Because <laughs> it's just, it felt like you couldn't say anything that, you just wouldn't get ripped apart for. I think this is one of the things that most people don't understand about having, you know, a goal be achieved of some level mm -hmm. greater than where you're at. Let's yeah. say you don't really have that much or no one follows you, not that many people know about you, say, except for your inner circle of friends and family. And then all of a sudden, a thousand times more people are aware of you. Yep. A million times more people are aware of you within a period of a year or a couple of years and it yes. grows. I don't think people understand that there's a whole different level of pressure that can come with it. There's a lot of privilege and opportunities and Absolutely. amazing things, but it's like people don't know that you have to deal with a different type of pressure. Yes. And do, can anyone get away from that pressure with having some type of success? I don't think so. Cause I mean, it, it's by definition, success is doing something extraordinarily rare. Something that 99.99% of other people either haven't done or can't do, right? And once you've kind of reached that level of uniqueness, it's there, there's a lot of expectation that's put on you. Um, like it's, you have an audience of millions now, so you, you're supposed to say something more empathetic or right, interesting right. or intelligent or whatever. The other thing that happens too, and I, I think this is particularly inherent with our line of work, which is having audiences, is that when when you have a when your audience is relatively small, like let's say a thousand people or even ten thousand people, that's usually it's gonna be a pretty homogenous group, mm -hmm. right? Like when I started my career, I specifically wrote dating advice for young men. And so my first 10,000 people yeah. in my audience, it was all- 24-year-old guys or Dudes yeah. in their 20s. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And so it's, you know what's going to piss them off and you know what's not. And once you reach kind of the level where we're at, where, where it's your audi audience is measured in millions, there's such a massive amount of diversity that it's, 
it kind of feels like there's landmines everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's like, like there, there's... oh man, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I, yeah it's good. <laughs> I can, I can see by oh, the look man. on your face, you you relate to what I'm saying. Like you jokes, have to be very, you have to be cautious about what you're putting out there. Totally, jokes that in your head are completely innocuous. Right, right. Like didn't even thought for two seconds about it. You know, there's somebody somewhere in some country that you've never even been to or thought of that is like extremely offended. And you get that email and you're like, oh, all right. So like, yeah. we'll make that joke again, you know? And it's, um, so I, this isn't, I always feel a little awkward, like getting into this subject because it's, I never want to look like, uh, you know, the whining. Right. Oh, woe is me. Yeah. The yeah, whining yeah. million. The number one right? New York Times bestseller. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like it's, I wouldn't trade anything. Like right, I wouldn't right. go back, but it's, it's, um, again, if I could go back to myself, say six months before everything blew yes. up or took off. What would you have said? Or what do you wish you would have known to prepare yourself? I would, I wish I would have known, or what I would say to myself is like, you need to start thinking about contingency plan you know it's like really? what what if this thing does 10x your expectations what if you do hit that moonshot and you're 32 like then what what are you going to do right and what think about the expectations that are going to be put on you think about the pressures that are going to be put on you um again like didn't think about it until it happened but a book publisher treats you very very differently uh, when you've sold millions of books than when you haven't sold a thing, right? <laughs> like when you haven't sold a thing, it's funny because when you talk to authors, authors kind of universally <laughs> complain, like my publisher doesn't do anything. They barely respond to my emails. And it's like, yeah, because you haven't done anything for them. Well, once you've done something for them and they care a lot, well, that introduces its own series of problems, which is like every word you write every chapter you send to them is like scrutinized and nitpicked and like well we actually don't like this chapter why don't you go rewrite it and it's it's um so it it is the stakes rise proportional to the success and i think there's this assumption that when you are um at the bottom of the mountain and there are very low stakes and failure doesn't cost you very much there's this assumption it's like well if i get to the top everything's gonna be great uh, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about any like repercussions because I'll be rich and famous, or whatever. And it's like actually, it's it's in a lot of ways it's a reverse. It's like you what you once you have tons of stuff to lose, you start questioning everything you do, and you start wondering if every decision is gonna like you know be the wrong decision. You think that being more successful would give you more self confidence? Yeah, but for a lot of people, it actually diminishes their self-confidence after a period of time they start to second guess mm. the next moves right can i be as successful what if i lose it what you know i do i need to be careful about what i say now whereas before people were willing to take more risks when they didn't have anything to lose right yeah. they were like when we try this thing and this thing and i would hit okay let's try another thing yeah how does someone prepare themselves for success to keep their self-confidence and expand it not dim their light yeah, I mean, honestly, the thing that ultimately worked for me is to just kind of maintain that bottom of the mountain mindset. In in a lot of ways, you know, there's like a, a famous cliche about you know, there's you get to the top of the mountain, you realize there's a taller mountain behind it, you know, and so it's like figuring out what what that taller mountain is, right? And like 
And a lot of times you you just invent it. Like you just pick something <laughs> out of thin air. You're like, you know what? Like I'll make this my mountain, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's but it's it's finding that so that you can because there's a certain amount of uh freedom and maneuverability that comes with um seeing yourself as a beginner, seeing yourself as somebody who like doesn't have anything to lose or doesn't have all the answers. And and for me it's been psychologically very, very beneficial to find a way to keep that. And, and not put all of my identity and self-worth into that because if I did that, then I, I'd be terrified to get out of bed in the morning, mm. right? <laughs> so when you were saying that, for those just listening, you're pointing at the book, yeah. putting your self-worth and identity into the success of the book, yes. right? So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What should we put our our identity and self worth into if it's not into our accomplishments, mm. our career, or our wealth? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I personally believe that the you should treat your identity or your self worth uh, the same way you treat a good investment portfolio, which is you diversify it ac- across a lot of things that are not correlated to one another. Uh, so. The same way, you know, you want to split up your money between stocks and bonds and cash and real estate because those things don't always move in the same direction at the same time. You want to put your self-esteem in, in things that, that aren't going to go north or south at the same time. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, like for someone listening or watching, what does that look like in a day-to-day life? So for me, those categories, you know, I do think it's very important. Like you should have a lot of your self-esteem tied up in your career and accomplishments. I think that that's healthy. That's good. Like it's your like, skill sets, the things you're learning and developing and the impact you're making. You and that. spend half your waking hours working on something. So you should care about that something and you should take some amount of pride in yes. it. Like, I think that's healthy. But, you know, with that, I would put relationships, um, both family and friendships. Uh, I would put knowledge, learning something having some sort of hobby or interest that you do simply for the sake of doing it. Um, and I think I would throw in there as well, you know, I think for a lot of people, you you might throw religion or spiritual practice in there. For me personally, I'm not, I'm not very spiritual or religious. I just kind of see it as like 
charity or generosity. You know, it's like do good things for people. Being generous human being. And that yeah. doesn't mean you have to, to give all of your time, but just being kind to people. Yeah. You know, like, opening the door, being courteous, being sure. appreciative. Or, you know, volunteering, helping somebody out, you know, whatever. How I mean, I'll speak from uh, personal experience here. Whenever I was in challenging intimate relationships, mm-hmm. it didn't matter how successful my business or how talented I was as an athlete. I always felt like my self-worth was a lot lower if my intimate relationship wasn't successful or if it was up and down and emotionally challenging too much. Sure. How much do you think our intimate relationship, I, and I don't know if that's just me, that I was just really bad at them, but how much do you think our intimate relationship is tied to our self-worth? Like if we are struggling in intimacy, do you think we can still have confidence and full richness of life in other areas? Or does that hold us back a little bit? It's funny because I think it's it's a little bit of a chicken in the egg yeah. where people tend to struggle in their intimate relationships because they don't have a lot of self-worth outside of their intimate relationships, right? And so it's one way you solve that is finding self-worth outside of it and like building that identity for yourself. And that tends to help you generate better relationships, which then also give you a lot of self-worth. So it's like, it's interesting. I feel like intimate relationships are, they drive happiness more than any other thing any you know more so than career success more so than money more so than um hobbies or friendships right. or whatever it's it's generally like when you look at all the data on happiness it's how good are your relationships if they're good you're probably a happy person and if they're not good you're probably not happy and th- those two things are going to those two statements are going to tend to be true yeah. regardless of what el- whatever else is going on in your life um but I think when it comes to self-esteem, self-worth, I do think there's a a large component of it does seem to be driven by feeling useful in some way, feeling competent, um, feeling that you're you're able to do something in yes. the world. Yes. Speaking of success, um, I always forget the exact quote, but I love the the message that Jim Carrey shared in one of his commencement speeches where he says, I wish everyone could become rich and famous and realize it's not the key to happiness or something like that. Um, do you feel like success adds to happiness or adds to feeling not enough still? Do you feel like it, it, it supports you more in being happier or makes you realize, oh, I'm actually deficient in other areas. I don't think success and money buys happiness. I think it, it, but it can buy away unhappiness. So it can buy away problems that would normally derail other people. Right. right? So um, the stress of not knowing if you're going to be able to buy books for your kid. Right. Or if you're going to be able to meet rent next month. um, It buys away those things. It buys away a lot of, a lot of stress and angst. But I think if you are psychologically wounded uh, and fundamentally have a low self-esteem or, or struggle with, with self-worth issues, it's not going to solve those for you on its own. And in fact, and there's plenty of examples of people who 
you know, get super famous and rich and it's not enough. Yeah. They get into addiction or drugs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In the last three years, the last 10 years, I've been on a healing journey for a lot of different things in my life. Mm-hmm. But I was saying the last three years, I've had some of the biggest breakthroughs in terms of healing psychological wounds that were holding me back in certain areas of life. Where do you feel like was the biggest place for you to, that you healed in the last five years in your life internally? Was there any wounds or challenges or things that you were like, they were just kind of holding on to that you were able to start releasing and letting go of? It's funny because it, the biggest thing is very related to the physical health. So I, I came from, I love my parents very much. Love my family, very emotionally dysfunctional. And I grew up emotionally dysfunctional. And so one of the reasons I came to this career is probably sounds like the same reason you came. It's just like, I'm just trying to figure my own out, right? And so I might as well do it in a very public manner um, so I can get feedback and And hear from other people. people. Yeah, Yeah, hear from other people. Uh, So it's so much of my early adulthood was very, very honed in on healing my own issues with relationships and intimacy Wow, and, and kind of getting the, you know, I struggled a lot with depression throughout my life. And and so getting like kind of philosophically getting myself straight with the world and, you know, what is happiness and what is a good life and what's worth living. And, you know, all those questions, they, they really, they ate at me for a a number of years. So when I look at teens, twenties, and even through early thirties, like that was very much the project. Meanwhile, what's going on externally is I'm at all the parties, I'm drinking all the booze, I'm eating all the food, uh, I'm not, I'm say, not saying no to any invitation that comes my way. And again, when you're 28 and you're indestructible, like you can get away with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that's not a problem. Yeah. And I got into my mid mid thirties and it became a problem. Like I. I became very overweight. I, so the last time I was here, uh, you know, you were talking about my energy, right? So last time I was here, I was, I was on, Ellie was like city number six on like a 12 city book tour. I think I had done, you know, nine interviews in the past 48 hours when I showed up to talk to you. I was probably completely underslept. I was touring for one book while simultaneously writing another. Wow. Uh, that's crazy. Just like an unbelievable amount of stress and pressure and just exhaustion going on simultaneously and, and not taking care of myself at all. Right. It's like, I'm eating Chipotle in the airport or whatever, right. not even thinking about it. And it was interesting. So during that, that book that I was promoting last time I saw you, I was, it was like, two weeks before the deadline, I was under so much stress. I actually started having chest pains. Really? I was 36, started having chest pains. And I'm like, and I have a history of heart disease in my family. So oh, I'm fa- I, like in my head, I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. Wow. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to like keel over in this coffee shop at any second. Right. And then that the chest pains kind of started to turn into a little bit of a panic attack. And I went home, talked to my wife. She's like, you got to stop. Like, go to a doctor. Don't mess around with yeah. this. Don't, like, you're not working and you're not writing another word till you go to a doctor. 
So I go to a doctor, get all the tests, check everything out. Everything comes back. Fine. Blood work. Everything's everything. fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Comes back and then, you know, he shows me all the tests. He's like, yeah, you're perfectly healthy. You're doing fine. Or, by the way, you under any stress lately? <laughs> and I just, that was kind of, some of that blood work came back and he was like, you know, this isn't great, but you're still young. So it's not a problem yet. This isn't great but you're still young. It's not a problem yet. You know, it was a lot of like the path I was on was I was going to be one of those guys. By the time I'm 50, I'm taking half a dozen medications and, you know, high blood pressure right. and all this stuff. So that was the trajectory I was on. So when my wife started her health journey and I kind of went along with it, I was very shocked and surprised how transformative it was for me because I, my body was something that I just ignored for pretty much my entire life. I was always focused up here for people listening. I'm pointing my head. Very analytical in your head. Very analytical. Not in your body. Yeah. Very like reading psychological research, sure. studying, reading books, thinking about relationship. Um, it, it was. You're an analyzer. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it, when I started getting the physical stuff in shape, it, first of all, it, it was surprising to me how, how much I underestimated. I mean, I feel stupid in hindsight. Cause I'm like, wow, I feel 20% better 24 seven. Like I've been <laughs> I like, it. I feel like I've been running uphill my entire life. Wow. And, and you know, I'm like, God, why didn't I do this sooner? But it was interesting because there are a lot of emotional, like a lot to fix a lot of my bad habits around food and alcohol, I had to take a, a hard look at some of, there was like some emotional stuff tied up in it, right? Really? So I realized at a certain point that like my, my drinking, I never craved alcohol, but I found that I would, any social situation I was in, I would drink. And it was just very automatic. I didn't think about it. I didn't question it. It was just like, well, yeah, of course I'm at a birthday party. Of course I'm going to drink. And it had never occurred to me like, you don't have to drink at a social gathering. Like that's not a, that's not, that's not necessary. And I started like really asking myself a lot of questions around, you know, why, why do you feel like you should be drinking at social gatherings? What happens if you don't? Well, it turns out I don't enjoy half of them. Well, what does that mean? means you're hanging out with a bunch of people that you actually don't enjoy hanging out with. Well, why are you doing that? Oh, now, now we're starting to get somewhere, right? Like now we're starting to get into the real questions, people pleasing tendencies, feelings of inadequacy, needing, like needing to be seen a certain way. Like one of the things that I realized is that in my, you know, in college and in my twenties, I developed a reputation as the party guy, right? Like I was always the first one to crack open a beer. I was always the last one to leave. I was the first one on the dance floor. Like it, I was that guy. And in my early life, that sustained me through a lot of social awkwardness and anxiety and things like that. And it, I didn't realize like that same thing that I guess I adopted to kind of protect me when I was younger, you run that ahead 20 years and it's killing me. And so to take that armor off, I had to go back and look at like, why do you feel like you need to be the party guy? Well, probably because you feel like 
if you're not the party guy, people aren't going to want to hang out with you. Well, like, why do you feel that way? <laughs> you know, like, so. It, when, it, when was this realization happening? How long ago? This was all, so this, all these questions that I'm kind of running through, I would say it was a gradual process over the last two years. Really? Yeah. Wow, man. And how old are you now? I'm 39. Interesting. I just turned 40 in March and it's like last three years for me too, man. Yeah. It's just been like asking all these questions, unwinding certain, I want to say relationships, but just focusing to spend my energy more with certain amount of people that, you know, I don't have to show up for in a certain way that yeah. I can just be a hundred percent authentic, have the conversations I want and not feel bad about something or feel pressured similar yeah. in, in a certain way, I guess. Do you feel part of it is the age like it's i i definitely there's definitely a sense my wife and i we talk about this a lot that there's definitely a sense she just turned 40 i'm about to turn 40 next year like there's kind of this sense of like there we don't have time to f around anymore. Right? Like, it's like when Weird. you're when you're 30 it's like okay yeah you could waste a year hanging out with people you don't actually like right. but it's like when you're 40 you're like no i don't have time for this it don't man yeah it don't and i 40 didn't hit me where I was like, oh, I need to like, I don't know, freak out or something. Buy a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have that feeling. I did buy my first home, but I didn't feel like I need this because whatever to feel something. Yeah. It more just felt right because my relationship felt peaceful. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can take this step now. Yeah. But I have a buddy of mine who's just turned 40 over the weekend and he was, he wasn't having a, a crisis, but he was like, yeah. What am I doing in my life? Yeah. With yeah. some, in some ways and kind of like, reevaluating a lot you yeah. know not in a negative way but i think it hits you yeah where you're like okay there's a new decade that i just completed yeah what is important yeah. in my life what do i want my time and energy to be invested in what do i want to make sure that i create or generate or do before it's too late yeah and i think that's important things to ask ourselves at all at all times but so it sounds like in the last two or three years you started asking these questions mm-hmm what was the what has been the big realization for you underneath it all i guess it's funny i guess once i've removed you know i've been completely sober for almost a year now mm. um congrats on that man that's man. big powerful i'm you know w once i've removed a lot of the distractions and stopped doing the things that i don't enjoy doing both professionally and personally I think kind of the biggest realization is just that actually life is and can be incredibly simple. Like you really just, you find a few people that you really love and love spending time with. You find a few things that you enjoy doing and you're good doing them. And you find a way to contribute, give back to the world. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, I think, I think that's the other thing is, and this is something that I've, it's so funny being writing about these psychological concepts because it, it doesn't matter how much you understand them. They still sneak up and get you <laughs> yeah, yeah. over and over again. But it's, you know, one thing I've written so many times is that it's when something is emotionally difficult, we tend to assume it must be complicated, right? It's like, it's emotionally difficult to break up with somebody. So there's got to be like a 17 step procedure that I can learn and rehearse. You know, it's like, no, you just break up with right, right 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 it's just it just really hurts like that's it's painful you gotta experience very it, go simple, through it yeah yeah very simple extremely extremely painful and what you know what i've noticed i think when i was younger 
and I had a lot more emotional turmoil and uh, self-esteem issues and questions about my life and the world, like I assume that everything must be super complicated. Really? And that, you know, I've got to like get out and go do these 12 things and read a hundred books and like take notes on everything and study everything. And it's like, you know, now it, I kind of look at, I'm like, actually, no, it's pretty straightforward. Like right. you, you, you need a handful of great relationships. You need one or two great pursuits in your life. And then you need a way to give back or a, a, a positive way to spend your free time. And, and then you just keep doing that and until you die. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. And that's about it. Like yeah, it's, stay healthy. Stay healthy. And, and it's, it's, it's not, there's no like secret code or, or algorithm or anything. Like yeah. it's just, you find the few things that work for you and you just rinse and repeat. Consistency with it, man. Over and over. Did you ever have that feeling of like, okay, the subtle art, 300 something weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Did you ever think like, okay, will I ever be able to do this type of results physically again in terms of numbers, success, metrics? Yeah. That ever mess with you or- Big time. Really? <laughs> Big time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Yeah, it's and I, I'm glad you used the word metrics because, and again, the irony, this is actually in the book. Like I literally talk about this in the book about there's a whole chapter about be careful how you define success. <laughs> choose your metrics wisely because depending on the metrics you choose to measure success, you can get yourself in the trouble, right? So my metric for success, when I was an aspiring writer, when I was writing this book, when this book came out, like, you know, my metric for success was I want to get up get to the top of the New York Times, sell a million copies, yes. do all this, right? And what I never considered is that I would exceed those goals by so much that I would almost trap myself, right? Like, And so I, I quickly, when the book blew up, I quickly found myself in a position of like, oh my God, nothing I ever do is going to be this successful. Wow. <laughs> really? That quick? Within like a couple months or something? Or uh, maybe first year? a year or two. Wow. Like, and, and that, there was an immense amount of psychological stress from wow. that. Of like, of like, I'm 32 and everything is downhill. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? And like, that's a terrible place to be, but that is genuinely what I felt for a number of years. And even with all the checks coming in and all the success ah, and all the opportunities, you felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, again, it comes back to what are the metric, like, how are you measuring success? Right? Like to me, like the checks, it's like, Great, you know, cool. Whatever. After you get it for a while, you're kind of like, okay, yeah. It's money. Money has never been a big driver of mine, um, ever. It's 
it's more been um quality of the work but also you know reach like it's it's always mattered to me a lot that i'm reaching a lot of people and then Impact, I'm, yeah. I'm impacting a lot of people and and i i tied a lot of a lot of my definition of success was tied up in that and this hit so hard and so wide that by that definition it was all downhill right and so i had to change that definition <laughs> like i had to redefine what success is for myself so i actually there were probably a few years i felt imprisoned is probably too strong of a word you know imprisoned by the success of subtle art but like it i'm maybe confined or uh trapped or trapped a little bit at some point it was actually when i i took the time off Mm. last year that like that flipped where it was like it stopped being instead of measuring myself against this book for the rest of my life which makes no sense whatsoever uh, I started seeing it as, as just like a blessing of like, look, like this thing is basically bankrolling anything you want to do for the rest of your life. Any like crazy startup idea, any like stupid indie film, like, and you know, <laughs> right. if you want to go buy a cabin in the mountains, like this thing is going to bankroll whatever crazy idea you come up with for the rest of your life, this thing's bankrolling it. So like, why don't you just be grateful? and <laughs> appreciate this yeah right don't be stressed about trying yeah. to recreate it yeah exactly and so and to come back to the identity thing because this was actually tied to this it was an epiphany of like i don't have to define myself as an author like i it's funny because before i wrote the book like being able to call myself an author was something i i aspired to do i took a lot of pride doing it especially being define myself as a best-selling author right right i hit a point where i realized i'm like i don't have to identify as an author like i i can do other things i've done other things i've been successful at other things like an author can just be one of many things i do and and as soon as that simple little thing switched in my head it became very liberating oh man that's beautiful I've got a few final questions for you. This has been inspiring. Again, sure. if I don't know who of my audience hasn't read the book yet, but make sure you guys get the subtle art of not giving a f- if you haven't got it. Make sure to get a few copies. It's always a big hit for every family, friend group, community. Get a few copies, pass them out. Uh, you're also your YouTube channel. I love. I love the content you're making on there now. It's interesting because you're talking about you know social anxiety of like needing to go out in the past to like drink and. Yeah be liked or be seen in a certain way. I think you were talking about, you know, looking a certain way in front of people. And you've got this new series you're creating on YouTube, which is taking readers out yeah. in your community and helping them overcome different challenges. And the first one is with a woman who's got social anxiety. Yep. And um, you're taking her through all these different challenges and adventures to overcome them. Yeah. And there's a big kind of, you know, prize at the end, if you will. When it's not what people think it might be. So yeah, I yeah. want people to check out your YouTube channel, uh, which is really cool. And that's, is that I am Mark Manson? Is that on YouTube? Yeah, or what's if it? You Mark just, Manson? If you just type Mark Manson yeah. in YouTube, you'll, but you'll make find sure you it. But make sure you guys check that out. Get on your newsletter, markmanson.net. Um, get the book. We'll have it all linked up as well. But your YouTube is a, is a lot of fun, and you're putting a lot of energy, time, resources yep. into making these really cool almost like a little reality show yeah. series. So it's uh, make sure you guys check that out. A few final questions I want to ask you. If you could go back seven years 
the day this book came out, Subtle Art came out, and you could tell yourself from this perspective one thing about love, one thing about success, and one thing about self-worth <laughs> that you know now from everything you've learned in the past seven years to the day this came out, that first day, that first week, what would you share? You know, it's funny. It's one of those things that's like, I, I don't know if I would have listened to my, you know. It, <laughs> right. It, this is the you thing about it. You're like, oh, I got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the thing about giving your past self advice. <laughs> At least my past self would have been like, what do you know, old yeah. man? Like, <laughs> a bit too stubborn. Yeah. yeah. Go back to 2023. <laughs> uh, you said love, success, and self worth. Yes. It's funny with love, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where like when you when you put it in the words, it just sounds very eh, banal and lame, you know, but it's the steadiness of it over a long period of time. It's something that you can't really the feeling of security that you have when you've spent over a decade with the same person and they've been by your side through everything. Like it's something you can't really put in the words. Mm. And obviously you can't find, just go find it down the street, right? Like it's, it is something that you literally put in the time for. And, um, I, as somebody who struggled with commitment early in my life, um, that, that's something that I, that the value in that is something that I never really thought about, um, for most of my life. And it's, it's been a real joy to get to experience it. That's cool. Um, Success, I, I just be like, dude, <laughs> buckle up. Like, wow, <laughs> you have it's a no, ride, man. No idea what's coming. Um, I think the advice I would, I would give that six person because you know, my, my mentality, and again, I remember having this conversation with my wife, I remember telling her, I'm like, look, this might not last. Like, it's one of these things, like, this thing's, you know, it's been a bestseller for 300 weeks or whatever, but it's like when it's been a bestseller for 10 weeks you never know when it's going to stop. Nah. Like you, you keep thinking, you're like, okay, maybe another month and then, and then we're done. Right. So the mentality was very much just say yes to everything. Like this is probably not statistically, this isn't going to last for more than a few months. So every invitation, every opportunity, every media appearance, like just say yes, just do it. You're young. You don't have any kids. Like, right. You know, you'll sleep later. Right. <laughs> sure. Well, after a few years of that, like that starts, <laughs> that starts adding up. So I, I would go back and just tell myself, you know, I know, I know there's a little bit of scarcity mindset here, but like, don't forget that you can say no to things mm -hmm. and, and it's going to be okay. Um, self-worth, you know, I, it's funny cause I don't, it's actually strange. I think how little self-worth I ended up tying up in this stuff. Um, I'm actually, it's funny. One of the joys of coming back to my internet business the last year, I, I strangely, I, I take a lot more pride and, and derive a lot more self-worth from that. I mm. think than my books for the movie, like, and I don't know why that is. I, it's, it's very strange. Huh. Uh, you know, when my movie came out, there was, 
it was surprising how much other people expected me to care way more than I did. Like other people were like, wow, this must be like, it's a big deal. And this is a, this is your capstone moment in your life. And it's, really? you know, like it's, and everybody from the, the studio, people at the studio to friends and family to, you know, people in my publisher, they're like, man, like you got your own movie. It's actually, it's going to be in a theater. Like this must be like a thing. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> put it out <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just a, it's more content. Right. Uh -huh. You know? So it's just, I think I'm just an internet dude. Like, and it's, and I think I have more of my identity and self-worth tied up in the entrepreneurial side. Mm, that's cool. Than, than necessarily like the, um, being a public figure. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. This is a question I asked you, I must've been four or five years ago in the last interview. Um, but you're in a much different space energetically now with more life experience. It's called the three truths. Mm. So imagine, maybe you don't remember cause you're in your eighth interview that day. <laughs> but uh, imagine a hypothetical scenario and yeah. qu and question. Uh, we went into your past self. We're going to go to your future self. Ima yeah. Imagine you get to live as long as you want. And now that you're on this health kick, you're going to live when you're hundred something. <laughs> and um, you get to accomplish and create and be everything you want to be for the rest of your life. But it's the last day, many years away. Okay. And in this hypothetical world, you have to take everything with you you've created. So no one has access to any of your books, movies, content, YouTube, or whatever you create in the future. It's okay. all going to go somewhere else. Yeah. But you have a piece of paper and a pen and you get to to write three lessons that you would leave with the world. I, I like to call them three truths. Okay. This is all we have to remember your content by for the rest of time. Oh my God. <laughs> what, would be, what would be those three truths you would leave behind? I, I I would say probably the most important one would be don't be afraid of failure or pain that that's actually where the joys and successes of life are hidden. Um, I would say be careful how you define yourself and and be careful how you measure success because no matter how you choose those things, life's gonna sneak up on you and bite you in the <laughs> It's gonna find a way. Um, I guess the third thing, I don't know, maybe it's because we opened with this, but but love is not enough. That it's, it's love is great, but it, it can't be the foundation of a healthy relationship it amplifies a healthy foundation. Mm. Got one more question for you, one final question, but I wanna make sure everyone gets the book. If you haven't already read it, make sure you get a few copies. You've got a few other books as well, grab those. Movie, YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to that. How else can we be of service to you today? Oh man, I don't know. Just like, enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, that's <laughs> it man, I love it. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Yeah. Show appreciation to people you care about. For sure, man. Yeah. Um, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Mark, because again, when I saw you last, I didn't recognize you. Yeah. You have continued to transform the inside, not just the external success and all the different results you've gotten by creating more great content, but by creating a different world internally and from shifting from more analytical to what it sounds like more emotional in your body and really taking a deeper dive into those 
those wounds maybe from the past. So I really yeah. acknowledge you for going on the journey. I know how scary and painful it has been for me, and I can imagine it hasn't been easy yeah. to dive into those things. So I really acknowledge you. It's it's hard to let go of certain physical things like drinking or socializing in certain ways when you've done it for so long. It's hard to let go of certain beliefs, uh, conversations, friendships. So I really acknowledge you for going on this healing journey, man. It's really Thanks, beautiful man. to watch. Yeah, Appreciate that. Of course. Final question. What is your definition of greatness? Ah. I mean, don't, don't I get, like, this is my third time here. Don't I, don't <laughs> I get a pass on this uh, one? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this is, this is. I feel like it's evolved. Every, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's evolved. It's yeah, not right? the same for five years ago. By the way, if anybody wants to, uh, you know, check if my answers. Uh -huh. I bet they're different. Yeah. You know, you know, you could probably go back I bet different. to my first interview. Um, definition of greatness. I mean, I would just say, um. living up to the standards for for impact and contribution you have for yourself in the world. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis house. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 